Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Ah, Jerry Springer, you were just getting started. I'm John Fugel saying, welcome to Sirius XM Progress on Channel 127. I hope you had a great Thursday. I, I, I hope you survived the week without losing your job, like everybody else. <laughs> we have a packed show tonight, and I want to thank Dino Badala, as I always do, for being such an excellent show to follow. I hope you enjoy the level of quality dropping off substantially after Dean's excellent show. That's not the fault of my producers, the amazing Thea Harper and the very wise Chris Hauselt, who are running this show from Brooklyn and South Carolina. I come to you from Manhattan. We got a great one tonight. As always, our most important guest is all y'all, as we bring good trouble to the right-wing bubble. We have... A lot of ground to cover. E. Jean Carroll returned to the witness stand to face cross-examination in her civil trial against Donald Trump. And Donald Trump's lawyer, Joe Tapioca, I, I, I know that's not the name, but I refuse to learn the correct one, in asking her repeatedly and abrasively why she didn't report a rape showed exactly why so many women don't report rapes. Also, in a court filing, federal prosecutors expressed a lot of concern that the Pentagon leak suspect, Jack Teixeira, is a flight risk. He might have still, still have access to uh, classified info not yet discovered. And I know this will shock you. Uh, he was a far right wing racist. Yeah, <laughs> didn't see that coming. In West Virginia, well, uh, quasi-Democrat Joe Manchin might get replaced by former Democrat Jim Justice. West Virginia, former West Virginia Governor Jim Justice announced he's going to run for the U.S. Senate against Manchin. Jim Justice only flipped to Republican when Donald Trump was president. And uh, I guess Joe Manchin just identifies as a Democrat because he gets a better parking spot that way. We have so much to cover on the show. And of course, the loss of Jerry Springer, who I had, I would say, pleasure of working with a couple of times. I spent election night 2016 with Jerry Springer. I was on Good Morning Britain. We were doing a special at Sirius XM. I walked across an empty Times Square and I was on TV until five in the morning. 
And I was across from Piers Morgan, sitting in between Ann Coulter and Jerry Springer. And I can tell you, on the most insane night in our country, uh, somehow Jerry Springer was the only sane person on that show. Rest in peace. Also, Carolyn Bryant Donham died. And this is a real tragedy. Uh, She was the woman whose horrible lies led to the torture and the murder and the mutilation of very young Emmett Till. And I was living in hope that we would get some accountability. She already admitted she lied and made it all up. She will never face it now, at least not in this earthly realm. God bless Emmett Till and his mom. We got a great, great one tonight. Professor Corey Brechneider will be here. Dr. Jason Nichols will be here. All that and all the fun of talking about the freaking debt ceiling as well. Let's get to it. Also, live shows this weekend. I'm performing uh, at a fundraiser for the great Carl Frisch, running for re-election to the Fairfax County School Board in uh, Tyson, Virginia. I'll go into D.C., and it's a hop, skip, and a jump away from there. Hope you'll come on down. You can find in details about that on my social media. And uh, <laughs> that should be very fun. I, I said to Carl, and Carl's a Democratic strategist. He's been on this show before. I, I said, any any subjects you don't want me to talk about? Or is abortion okay? He goes, oh, abortion's fine. Just don't talk about crazy parents showing up at school board meetings. <laughs> I'm like, okay, and I don't want to know. Uh, next week... Tuesday night, I'll be performing at the Proton Prom by Story Collider at at, uh, the Bell House in Brooklyn, along with Janine Garofalo and Natalia Reagan. It's going to be a really fun show. Next Friday, I'll be in um, Connecticut doing a show on a farm somewhere for Cinco de Mayo, another storytelling show. Look, tomorrow night, I'll also be on News Nation. I I was cooped up in the house for three years. I grew my hair long. You guys kept me sane. Now I'm finally going back on stage and on TV and uh, until I run back in my hole when I see my shadow. All right. Are we ready? We have a great Chris and Thea here. I'm still glowing from Smokey Robbins' appearance yesterday. We're going to air that for you next week. It's so good. Let's get to tonight's show, shall we? Tonight is Thirsty Thursday. It's another edition of Thursday Thursday. This is the fuck around and find out edition of Thirsty Thursday, starring Ron, Don, and Tucker. Three guys who are so thirsty for attention, so thirsty for their flunkies to high-five them and say, you're doing awesome, bro. And now they are paying a well-deserved price. Between Tucker's text, Trump's big mouth, and DeSantis's extremely poor political judgment, this is a Thursday Thursday for the ages. Let's let's talk about it, shall we? Um, I want to know who you think is the biggest teabag of the week. But, you know, LBJ had this war on poverty, right? Ronald Reagan had the war on drugs. And Ron DeSantis... <laughs> as a war against Donald Duck and Goofy. Now, you know the story, but for those of you waking up from comas, it all began when Disney criticized the Don't Say Gay bill, which limited discussions about sexual orientation and gender identity in the classroom. Of course, if you talked about heterosexual relations or uh, uh, cisgender gender identity, that'd be fine. You know, it's Ron DeSantis's bigoted little thing that allows anyone to sue anyone uh, for saying anything they don't like. So Disney... Because they are in America and they're a private corporation and they spend a lot of money giving taxes to the state of Florida. They they said, hey, we don't like this. This is wrong. Uh, We we disagree. A lot of it was them, you know, responding to protests from their own employees. And we we think of Disney all too often as a big evil corporation that does quality family fair movies and bought Star Wars and Marvel. Good for them. But Ron DeSantis didn't like it. He decided to take punitive action. And as you know, he stripped Disney of their tax status and... He created a new board to oversee Disney's special taxing district, which they took as part of their agreement to build a giant goddamn money-making amusement park in the great state of Florida. Because, you know, that's what real conservatives like Ron DeSantis do. 
you go after the largest private employer in your entire state, which paid $1.5 billion in taxes last year. Yeah. Show your respect for capitalism and the Constitution. You, 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 you pudgy moron, you. So Disney, because they have better lawyers, they struck a multi-decade deal with the outgoing board members just a couple of days before the new board members moved in, all the ones appointed by Ron DeSantis. And so the new board came in and saw what had been done. They rendered the agreement null and void. And now the empire that bought the empire from George Lucas struck back. You know this. We touched on it briefly last night, but Walt Disney sued Ron DeSantis, accusing him in court documents of launching a targeted campaign of government retaliation against Disney because they exercise free speech rights and criticize the don't say gay law. The lawsuit says in America, the government cannot punish you for speaking your mind. I mean, and they filed this lawsuit against the oversight board as well. He's saying he weaponized his political power to punish the company for exercising free speech. Look, personally, I, I, I think it's great seeing a Republican presidential candidate go after corporate America. Why not? But <laughs> there's backfiring. And then there's this. It takes a lot to get me to want to play a clip of Larry Kudlow on this show. Here's Larry Kudlow beating up DeSantis, all for the benefit of Donald Trump, on Fox Business. That Governor DeSantis is close to making a fool of himself with his Walt Disney obsession. This has been going on now for months and months and months. And I would argue that it is unseemly, number one. A governor <laughs> should not be come crashing down on if not the biggest, one of the biggest businesses. I don't like Disney's politics either, their woke politics. My guess is Bob Iger is going to change that. But whatever, I, uh, DeSantis should make a deal and stop already. He's not running against Walt Disney for president. No, as we've been saying, he has no campaign skills, he can't debate, and he can't negotiate. Donald Trump would be in a room with Disney working this out. DeSantis' problem was it was easy to slap Disney around. They had that dumb CEO, but he's gone. Iger is here, and DeSantis is no match for Iger, who's 10 steps ahead of DeSantis on every move. <laughs> now, by the way, Larry Kudlow, who I, I used to work with and was always very nice, nice to me. I always try to say that. He was always a gentleman to me. I enjoyed hanging out with him very much for the year I worked at CNBC. I also enjoy pointing out that Larry Kudlow had a $100,000 a month coke habit back in the 80s, because why not have that guy handle our country's finances, President Trump? But I hate to agree with Larry Kudlow, but he kind of nailed it. Of course, Larry also said, you know, you, you don't go after a private corporation, conveniently forgetting that Donald Trump did exactly that and attacked Amazon because he didn't like things that were written about him in the Washington Post. Both of them are owned by Jeff Bezos. He tried to get uh, uh, special postage rates so they'd have to pay more to ship packages. So, again, you know, DeSantis is struggling to keep up with Trump and he declares this stupid war on Disney. And once again, he shows how he knows how to alienate not just young voters, not just women voters, um, but also donors. Think about it. This is a governor going after the biggest private corporation in his own state, while a couple of hours to the north, the Republicans in Congress are creating this unnecessary economic terror by threatening to not raise the debt ceiling. Way to freak out your donors, party. Way, way to just say, hey, you want stability? You want predictability? Go for Joe Biden. And it's so bad now that Nikki Haley has gone after him. She tweeted, uh, hey, at Disney, my home state... South Carolina, 
will happily accept your 70,000-plus jobs if you want to leave Florida. We've got great weather, great people, and it's always a great day in South Carolina. SC's not woke, but we're not sanctimonious about it either. Take a moment to talk about how stupid that is. We're not woke, but we're not sanctimonious. Hey, you didn't like his bigotry. We're just as bigoted, but we're not sanctimonious about it. Oh, my God, these people. These people, how do they put their shoes on? Yeah. Right? <laughs> so right away, right away, just to show how, just, 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 I, I, I can't believe I thought Ron DeSantis was such a scary guy 12 months ago. Um, this is how micropenis his energy is. Right away, a super PAC for Ron DeSantis and his bid for president, even though it's not official yet, put out an edited video of Disney officials voicing support for LGBT characters. And it's just a video with interviews without context, people saying, my, like, not all secret gay agenda. The video is called Mickey Haley. He made a 45-second attack ad on Nikki Haley, and it's getting a six-figure digital buy in South Carolina. Can you think about that for a second? Nikki Haley will never be president. She is running for vice president at best. And Ron DeSantis, knowing she'll never be president, just spent six figures to make an ad to run it in her home state. I just, I just, oh, after all this, Ron DeSantis, moron that he is, threatened to build a prison next to Disney World. I just, I, 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 great. He has weaponized government against a private corporation for exercising free speech. Disney has an open and shut First Amendment case on their hands. But again, Ron, good job alienating women and young voters and donors. You are the Scott Walker of Rick Perry's. So let's let's move it a little further. It's Thirsty Thursday. Who else couldn't keep his freaking trap shut and is paying the price? Well, look, Donald Trump, where, where do we be? Let's pick one area of Trumpism. If you're following the E. Jean Carroll defamation case, and you should be, yesterday, Judge Kaplan, Judge Lewis Kaplan, he's the presiding judge in Trump's rape defamation case. He had a pretty big ruling. Um, he, he's taking Trump's derogatory social media posts that he posted over on Truth Social very seriously. Donald Trump did all these media posts about E. Jean Carroll and calling her a liar and bad-mouthing her and disparaging attorneys. Now the judge who's presiding over the case, called it entirely inappropriate. And E. Jean Carroll's attorney, Roberta Kaplan, was reading Trump's truth social post to the court just a few minutes before E. Jean began her testimony, where Trump was disparaging the case as being a total scam. So Judge Kaplan warned Trump's attorney, Joe Tapioca, that any more of this commentary from his client could open him up to a new source of potential liability. She's literally suing him, not for rape, but for defaming her, and he decides to fight back by not showing up in court and defaming her. Ugh. She went on to testify against Donald after her lawyer read these remarks, and she stated very plainly, I'm here because Donald Trump raped me. Trump denies this, of course, using his favorite denial, more or less, that she, was too, uh, she wasn't hot enough for him to sexually assault. Great. And he couldn't be bothered to attend the trial. And let's just say he's made a very poor impression of himself to those jurors. <laughs> Judge Kaplan said, I have concluded that there's virtually nothing in there as to credibility. And even if there were, the unfair prejudicial effort into going into this subject would outweigh any probative value. <sighs> oh, by the way, E. Jean Carroll's lawyer also noted that Eric Trump was tweeting about him. So Kaplan put out a warning to Trump's lawyer, Tapioca, saying that the Post could conceivably put President and his son in harm's way. And then today he ruled 
that the Access Hollywood tape can, in fact, be used by E. Jean's lawyer, because that's exactly who he is. The judge said, if I were in your shoes, I'd be having a conversation with your client. These guys are so thirsty. They shoot their traps. They run their mouths. And then whoever's in the room high fives them. And then they have to deal with adults. The judge said there are some relevant United States statutes here, and somebody on your side ought to be thinking about them. But for more, let's go to the crown prince of not thinking things through, and that would be Lil Tucky, Liar Tuck, the former host of Tucker Carlson. You know, last night, a couple days after he was fired, he, he, he put up a video at 8 p.m. at the same time his show aired, and it ended with him just saying, you know, See you soon. He starts it by, good evening, it's Tucker Carlson. One of the first things you realize when you step outside the noise for a few days is how many genuinely nice people there are in this country. Kind of decent people. People who really care about what's true. This is a guy who does not care about what's true. One of the reasons he was fired was that he does not care about what's true. And we know that Tucker knew he was lying. Tucker's audience doesn't know he was lying because they watch Fox and they'll never be told. But he ran through all of his greatest hits. You know, uh, emerging science, demographic change. That's his favorite little racial code word. But see, here's the thing. I don't know if you saw the video. It's very interesting to see uh, how Tucker does when he's lighting himself. Let's just say it wasn't broadcast quality video. But Tucker's week just got a lot worse because Rupert Murdoch is gradually leaking through his own Wall Street Journal a little bit of why he was really fired. And these inside sources have revealed that Tucker sent a number of really offensive text messages, and Fox's leadership only became aware of these offensive text messages the day before the Dominion trial was going to start. Reporter Michael Schmidt was on MSNBC with Nicole Wallace, and he was saying these messages that were redacted in the public court documents were so bad, Fox News decided it wasn't worth keeping their highest rated host. Imagine that. The biggest star on your channel. I mean, I think about Netflix firing Kevin Spacey when he was the biggest star of their biggest show. (laughs) And apparently the things he said are so worse than the offensive things he says on air all the time where he is a misogynist, he's a racist. This is Rupert Murdoch. When Rupert Murdoch is so offended by what you say, bro, you fucked up. And they said it played an important role in his dismissal. These remarks are still redacted. They're described as highly offensive and crude, way beyond the word inflammatory. And when Fox learned about them, well, according to the New York Times, it set off a crisis at the highest level of the company. And Tucker's fire was part of the aftermath of that crisis. Again, all we know is they were highly offensive and crude, went beyond the inflammatory, often racist remarks of his primetime show. And despite the fact that Fox's lawyers had these text messages sitting around for months, the board and the senior executives were only learning about this stuff on Sunday. And everybody freaked out. How bad was it? Well, we know one thing. He, he, he likes to use the C word when talking about women. We already knew he did this about Sidney Powell, Donald Trump's lawyer. And boy, howdy, did he use it? I mean, in his own text messages, this guy who was so confident that he was untouchable would actually text. And I apologize for my language. Sidney Powell is lying. Fucking bitch. That cunt. I hope she's punished. And one of his staffers writes, I'm going to destroy her. What a surprise, right? Tucker is a petulant dick. But he didn't just call Sidney Powell the C-word. See, Tucker, moron that he is, also decided to call Irina Briganti, who is a very tough lady 
a very powerful executive at Fox News who heads the network's communications division. Yeah, he called her a C-word as well. He called his boss's boss in a text message, and it came out in Discovery. Now, we're learning a lot about how Rupert has had it with Tucker over the past couple of years. Uh, he, He was unaccountable. He kept causing headaches with his conspiracy theories and his racial code talk. Uh, Maybe the audience didn't mind it, but Rupert really did. And then after he falsely portrayed the January 6th attack on our Capitol as orchestrated by the federal government, I'm just asking questions, just asking questions, he told his audience last month, while the Dominion case was going to trial, they couldn't settle, and he told the audience the rioting was a peaceful exercise using that security footage that Kevin McCarthy had given just to him. My God, he's stupid. I mean, several people told the Times that the discovery of the text was the catalyst in the decision to fire Carlson. And Rupert Murdoch didn't do this because he's offended by misogyny. He didn't do it because he's offended by lies. He did it because Tucker got to be a headache for him. Tucker defending Putin and attacking Ukraine every night was not a good thing for Rupert. Rupert apparently had many Republican politicians calling him and complaining that he was literally undermining the Ukrainian resistance with his stupid comments on his show every night. And we already know the Murdochs, they like to have ratings, but they will fire you. They fired Glenn Beck, and he was huge. They fired Sarah Palin. They fired Roger Ailes, and he built the whole place. And let's go way back in time, children. You might not remember this name, but they fired Bill (laughs) O'Reilly. So the views of Tucker's video actually surpassed Tuesday's viewership of his old time slot in less than an hour. Congratulations. The Times did make a point of saying they had not yet seen the contents of the message. We won't know for a while what was really there, but man, it's going to be good when we do. And this is so depressing, but this is Thirsty Thursday. These guys shot their mouths off. They fucked around. They're finding out. I need something nice to chase this away. Can I Can I give you something beautiful? Can I bring you into Friday with something beautiful? Yuk Suk Yul, Yoon Suk Yul, the South Korean president. He was at last night's date dinner with Joe Biden. You might have heard about this, but have you actually heard it? It turns out there is an American song he really likes. It's by friend of this show, Don McLean. It's called uh, American Pie. And this man just became the third world leader to address a joint meeting of Congress since Biden became president. But that's not what anyone's going to talk about. They're going to talk about how, after the state dinner, on stage, he gave a surprise performance of his favorite American song. I'd like you to hear it just for a minute. A long, long time ago. (laughs) I can still remember how the... Music used to make me smile. And now I knew if I had my chains that I could make those people dance and maybe they'd be happy for a while. A February made me shiver with the paper I deliver. Bad news on the doorstep. I couldn't have one more step I can't remember if I tried when I read the bowries with a bride something touched me deep inside the day the music died (laughs) Chris how much do you love that the video is even better it's adorable I want to adopt him that's my uh, favorite song ever. Uh, better than the original. 
<laughs> well, you know what? Just imagine when Trump's reelected and he brings in Kim Jong-un to sing Highway to Hell, because that's what you're looking at. We are at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. We're getting to everybody's calls tonight. We're going to take a very quick break. We'll be back in just a moment with Professor Corey Brechneider to break down what's barely legal and what isn't. This is Progress. We're thrilled you're with us. It's going to be a fun show. Don't go away. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. This is Serious XM Progress. I'm John saying, and Corey Brechneider is the professor with a Ph.D. in politics from Princeton, the law degree from Stanford, and he uses them to fight crime and enrich the lives of students in the poli-sci department at Brown University. You've read his stuff in Politico and Time Magazine, the New York Times. You have to own his book. The Oath and the Office, a guide to the Constitution for future presidents. I'd love to make every member of Congress read it. It makes a great gift as well. And check out his Penguin Liberty series books on free speech, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's notable cases, and impeachment. It's time, once again, for Barely Legal with Corey Brechneider. That's not the real name of the segment. Hi, Professor. Welcome back. Thanks, John, and thanks for clarifying. That is definitely not the name. That is definitely not the name of the segment. No, I just like saying it and then having a disclaimer right afterwards. Um, Corey, I, I'm so glad you're with us because I, I began the show talking a little bit about how Donald Trump can't zip it and he can't keep his fingers off Truth Social. He had to go and disparage the defamation case and more or less defame not just the plaintiff, but the entire court. He got beaten up for it by the judge in a defamation case he's still not bothering to show up for. And I, I'd love to just unpack it a bit. Eugene Carroll is someone I've known for over 20 years. She's done this show before. And um, so I want to be upfront about that. Uh, I, I'm also not I've, I've worked with Donald Trump, not a fan of his. Um, but I'm curious, what is your take so far on this trial? And do you think the media is treating it as uh, as importantly as they should? Look, I think this has to be, you know, blared on the front page of every newspaper. There should be in-depth discussion, not just coverage on every network. The fact is that a former president 
and someone who seeks the presidency again has been more than credibly accused of sexual assault and and rape and uh you know how that is something that we've become so used to that we're not covering it in that way i think in some ways that's the real story that we're so beaten down by uh his crimes and his uh immorality and this is uh, among the most serious crimes the society has uh next to murder maybe the most serious and yet um you know we have a president former president somebody seeking to lead the country again who's been credibly uh, very credibly, I should say, especially as we read and learn about the testimony under oath, uh, accused of it. And um, that, that to me is the real story, why it's not front page news. I mean, it also is a highlighting of, in addition to the horror of the crime, his willingness to lie to the country repeatedly in order to bury um, the truth. And I think that's the other story here, the way that, that a serial liar has uh, used those lies not just to defraud the country, but to, yeah. to, to paper over successfully, unfortunately, his crime. And, and again, that's the story that, that he has largely succeeded. I, I would agree. The only thing I would add is that Donald Trump has been credibly accused over 25 times and is, as we might remember on tape, bragging that he likes to do exactly what he's been accused of doing. Now, E. Jean Carroll took the stand yesterday and said, I'm here because Donald Trump raped me and gave extensive testimony. Today, however, it was time for cross-examination by Donald Trump's lawyer, Joe Tapioca. That's his name, right? Because that's what I call him. Is that okay? <laughs> I think that's Yes, I, I think I forgive you for that. <laughs> okay, Joe, Joe Tacopina, who's a guy who, you know, is hostile and brash and is on tape saying that Donald Trump's an idiot. Now, of course, he's getting paid, so he doesn't feel that way anymore. But he went after her today. Uh, forcefully, and and it, it was it just hammering her. I mean, I know he's paid to poke holes in his in her story, but you know, was saying to her, "Why didn't you scream? Why didn't you scream? Mm. Why didn't you tell people back then?" And more or less, he was showing us exactly why so many women never want to come forward with their stories. That's right. He was um, really repeating the horror of, of the crime by browbeating her, by not believing her, and by. Demanding, I should say, too, a standard that doesn't exist. There is no requirement to, um, uh, for, for um, there is no exoneration for a rapist uh, that there wasn't sufficient fighting back. That was a standard, uh, an ancient standard that has rightfully long since passed our criminal law. The requirement is uh, consent and certainly non-consent, and the kind that you got here. She made it very clear the way she describes it, that she, that she was not consenting, that she was resisting him, is more than enough to, to make this constitute rape. Uh, you know, this is a Me Too moment, hopefully, for Donald Trump. And it should have happened long ago. It should have happened at the moment of that Access Hollywood tape. And we know that he certainly thought it was coming. And yeah. that's why he did so much to bury uh, other stories that were about to come out. But now it is coming out. And I do think there's a difference, you know, the fact that she made the decision to make this accusation as a legal matter is very different than making it in an interview or in the media. It's under oath. It's under the dis- discernment of uh, court and a judge. And, you know, that's why I think that I hope, you know, and we've been wrong about this before, that this will help help to build 
in addition to the other cases, um, a factual record that this is a this is a criminal candidate for the highest office in the world, and hopefully will finally permeate, even though um, the, the rest did not. And certainly, you know, we saw what happened to Harvey Weinstein, um, to That's others right. who who engaged in this kind of behavior, and Trump's reckoning hopefully will come soon. Yeah, after decades of uh, abusing women, often violently, it's it's great that we were finally able to nip Harvey Weinstein in the bud. Um, you know, E. e. Jean, of course, said that it was the New York Times story documenting what he did that inspired her to write her book, What Do We Need Men For? A Modest Proposal. In the book, she included a list of the most hideous men in my life. And that's where she decided in this book about Me Too and men to reveal that Donald Trump had assaulted her years ago. She didn't remember the date, didn't remember the year. Um, she had blocked a lot of it out. Now, um, what's interesting is if you if you grew up in New York, you probably remember the local CBS news anchor, Carol Martin, who I used to watch all the time when I was when I was younger. And Carol Martin is uh, friends with E. Jean Carroll. And at one point, they were texting about this because E. Jean did the smart thing that women should do. She didn't go public about the, the her alleged rape, but she did tell friends. She told several friends at the time. And they shared a text exchange that E. Jean Carroll had with Carol Martin, where Ms. Martin said, this has to stop. As soon as we're both well enough to scheme, we must do our patriotic duty again. And E. Jean wrote back, totally, I have something special for you when we meet. And when she, you know, did meet, she talked about the book. So we should probably not be surprised that Donald Trump's lawyer fixated on the word scheme. And today he actually asked E. Jean Carroll on the stand to define the word scheme. Uh, she said it had no evil connotations, but is that the sort of thing that traditionally would would help would, would hurt uh, a plaintiff in a case, even if it was her friend who said it and not her? Yeah, you know he's trying to, and this is a classic old fashioned um, de- defense lawyer uh, tactic to to put the victim on trial, and that's what he's doing here. Uh, that's what he did. Um, uh, you know, in in asking her about why she didn't resist, uh, really using a standard that has nothing to do with the law in order to just try to discredit her. And he's doing the same thing, too, when it comes to these conversations that certainly don't show that she wasn't raped. They're, you know, one thing that that victims don't say exactly the right thing at all times in a, in a way that you would want a public relations expert would want you to say. But that yeah. doesn't go to the question of whether or not she's being truthful. Instead, what he's doing, and this really is not the way the law is supposed to work, but it's the way defense lawyers often work, is, is just to attack her, to make her look crude, to make her look sarcastic, to make her look like she's out for... Uh, bad motive of publicity or, or money. And, you know, there's really only one question in this uh, trial, and that's whether or not she told the truth and whether or right. not Trump lied and um, uh, def- def- defamed her, libeled her. Uh, and, um, you know, none of this stuff about the, her background should matter there. And it's it's just an attempt to distract. Now, does that sometimes work? Of course it does, but it's not certainly not a, a legal argument in, in any way. I mean, Takapina was certainly as, you know, brash as he's paid to be uh, and kept demanding her to say, what, why didn't you scream? Why didn't you scream? And she actually stated, he raped me whether I screamed or not. Uh, I mean, you know, Corey, right. there's already all these postings of all of Republicans in the last 10, 20 years who've 
said insensitive things about rape from Todd Aiken to Rick Santorum, who said rape victims should make the best of a bad situation. I mean, like, it's it's nothing new to hear people not take sexual assault against women seriously, especially when they're accusing Donald Trump. Um, I, I kind of feel like that approach is going to backfire on Donald Trump's case. I mean, this is a civil trial. We have to keep in mind it's not like a conventional criminal trial, and they don't really need to prove anything beyond a reasonable doubt, do they? That's right. Um, it isn't a tr- he isn't on trial for rape directly. He's And the only reason why it's in court in the first place, the rape criminal charge, um, the statute of limitations would have expired a long time ago. Uh, but this is about statements that he made, essentially acute, more, much more recently accusing uh, Carol of being a liar. And, yeah. and uh, yeah. you know, in the law, if you publicly accuse somebody um, using speech or, or in writing of, of uh, lying and they told the truth, you're, you're, you're civilly liable. Uh, so, you know, this isn't about the money. I think it's about proving in court uh, that even though he's not going to go to prison for this, that what she said was true and that he lied about it and really that he is a rapist. And even though it's not directly about rape, it is a, a libel uh, trial. It is an attempt to have legally certified uh, the, the, the brute fact that the former president who's running again is a rapist. And, you know, this has a political dimension. The conservative press has been going after Carol because she's funded uh, partly by people um, like the founder of LinkedIn who have political interests. Uh, the firm uh, that's representing her, I've worked with on, on the travel ban case, Roberta Kaplan's firm. You know, they are not indifferent to Trump as a danger to the society, as a danger to the republic but that doesn't mean that at the same time uh they don't have a case of somebody who who lied about rape and it's an yep. attempt to take that one instance and to show the country in addition to the court of law uh who who we're dealing with now in the case of harvey weinstein i think hopefully there's a parallel he was so well known for so many of the um uh assaults and and uh, and harassment continual that that he had engaged in, but you know once he went into a court of law, the, the things changed. Now in that case, it yeah. was a criminal conviction that took him out of society. Uh, but you know there there is, I, I believe, a kind of educating value, a, 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 a factual assertion backed up by a court of law that changes things, and and that's the strategy here. And you know I think Carol is totally brave to do this because she really is going to gain nothing, but the country could potentially gain a huge amount. I want to ask you, Professor, how significant it is that the judge ruled that E. Jean Carroll's legal team could use the Access Hollywood tape as evidence. I I know that the judge found the tape permissible because there's a rule that allows evidence of any other sexual assault committed by the defendant to be presented. Uh, I, I think it's noteworthy alone that the Access Hollywood tape is now being legally treated as evidence against the defendant. Yeah, you know, in evidence, there are a lot of complicated rules about what gets in. One thing you're not supposed to do is be able to speak about the defendant's character or propensity to act in a certain way. But, you know, habit and patterns are a different thing. And what's going on, I think, in the Access Hollywood tape is not, and this is why I'll I'll defend this 
ruling is not an instance of trying to say, oh, he did these other things that we should right. blame, you know, that, that, that constitute evidence for him doing it, doing it in this case. It's something much more general. I mean, what he was saying in that Access Hollywood tape is that, in general, I am a sexual assaulter. That's it. <laughs> and so that is relevant to this case because you have testimony of him talking not about a prior act or a distinct act, but of continual acts. And so I think part of it is the kind of evidence that, that you're getting here uh, is not about character. It's about, it's about a statement, about a, a continual pattern of acting. And, and yeah. that's why I think it was right to, to, to get it in. And another way to put it is it was so egregious, so incriminating what he said, and so broad in, in its application that uh, it's, it's not an unfair attempt to try to uh, convict him for, for one crime when he's admitted another. Yeah, I, I just want to cap this by reminding our listeners that one in six women are raped, but only 16 to 40 percent of rapes are reported to law enforcement. And today we saw why rape victims who are asked to recount their trauma are routinely re-victimized upon every telling of it, especially when it's against a hostile attorney who is trying to wage a scorched earth campaign against her. Um, Corey, I, I do want to I, I will say brief- on that, on that John, you know, that I don't want to let the judge off the hook. The, the judge, I think, was right to let in the Access Hollywood tape, but really should have put this um, this Trump's lawyer on, on much more of a, a short leash than... Well, he, than, he did. I mean, at various times in the transcript, you see him saying, move on, move on, move on from this. So mm. um, I, I think so. I really wish this case was on TV. My God, how I wish it was on TV. But while I still have you, Professor, I would be more remiss in my duties than I usually am if I didn't ask you about um, the poster kids for uh, for ethics reform, <laughs> uh, Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch. I mean, and let's throw in John Roberts as well, who can't be bothered yeah. to show up to Congress and talk about what everyone's talking about. It's not that it's partly that he didn't show up to Congress, was unwilling to testify when, of course, Congress is considering and should be considering serious ethics reform that would limit this egregious behavior from happening again. And we can talk more about the kind of legislation that they really need to pass. Uh, But it's that he wrote this really ridiculous uh, statement of ethics and letter to the committee in lieu of showing up. It essentially refuses to change anything. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I really feel that the chief justice is just insulting uh, the body uh, that has the ability to pass mandatory ethics rules that would apply to. to him um, and his court and uh, is also mocking the American people. I mean, you know, we're not stupid. We've seen two justices now who look like, you know, what way to put it, that they are taking what, what at worst are bribes or at best are, you know, something closely resembling it, certainly undue influence by people who have matters before the court. In the case of Gorsuch, taking money from the head of a law firm that continually has cases before the court and disclosing, mm-hmm. knowing he has to disclose the transaction, but not disclosing who uh, the transaction was with. That suggests that he's hiding something. And, of course, Clarence Thomas knew better than to think that he could go uh, on um, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of vacations with somebody who's a conservative donor and has interest also before the court <laughs> continually and not say anything about it. And the cover-up is really being conducted by the supposed moderate um, chief justice who's just defending it all. And Congress needs to act. I mean, this is enough of 
talking about this. Yes, the court might try to limit any ethics reform. Uh, that would be pretty interesting to see a constitutional challenge by one of the justices to that legislation. Um, but hopefully they'd be too embarrassed to do that and would accept their fate. And, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just, you know, yeah. This has to be a bipartisan, mandatory ethics reform that, that passes but isn't that the problem? I mean, I mean, you know, Democrats, I mean, they, they know that Congress has legitimate oversight when it comes to the courts. They hold the purse strings. But Republicans are going to view any attempt at reform as an attack on, on, on them. And so if Congress can't get the Supreme Court to police itself, I mean, we're only 200 years into this. It's good they're finally trying to do this. But what, what can be done? I mean, we could just see the right wing just say, nope, no accountability. They can do what they want. Corruption's fine. Yeah, I mean, as always, you hope for some sliver of senators who are going to see. And, you know, let's not be naive about this. There's a political dimension possibly in the other way. The more the legitimacy of the court is on the agenda, the more the corruption of Gorsuch and Thomas and, of course, Kavanaugh are speaking of sexual assault um, are are another person credibly accused of sexual assault that that sits on, on the highest court in the country. The more they're the story. Uh, the more that's going to hurt Republicans' chances in various races around the country, including the presidency. So hopefully they'll see that they've got to act in order to curb these abuses. Because, you know, these increasingly the court does look political and worse than that, it looks corrupt. And uh, that doesn't help the people who put these justices there. And by the way, it's not all sides here. I haven't read a lot of stories about Sonia Sotomayor no. Uh, doing land deals that she's hiding or or um, Justice Kagan. <laughs> so it's it's really one wing of the court that we're I mean, we're Corey, if we if we found out that George Soros had given Sonia right. Sotomayor hundreds of thousands of dollars right. worth of vacations, what do you think Fox News would do? Yeah, it's just it's yeah. And, it's you know, I think, frankly, she would have resigned that there is a uh, not an evenness and an awareness of 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 wrongdoing and. Uh, you know, of course, the Fortis uh, case is is an important one. That Fortis, a, a, a left progressive justice, uh, was told by Earl Warren to to step down on tr- right. on charges of corruption that weren't any, anywhere close to this. And uh, you know, there was a sense of embarrassment and and uh, you know, public service that is completely gone. Certainly from That's- Justice Thomas, but increasingly. Uh, Justice Gorsuch, I would have thought, you know, Justice Gorsuch styles himself not as a Kavanaugh, not a political operator. He has a Ph.D. in political philosophy, the only justice in history to have that degree. Uh, He thinks of himself as an intellectual. I would think he's embarrassed enough by this that uh, he would act differently. (laughs) But but no, he's 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 showing him his true. We are in the shameless time. Yes, Professor. I mean, 435 members of Congress have to fill out financial disclosure forms. So does Supreme Court. But only Congress has any kind of oversight. Corey Bretschneider, thank you so much for joining us today, as you always do on Thursdays. Thank you for classing up this show. I really appreciate it. You always leave me smarter. Have a great weekend, sir. Pleasure. Thank you, you, sir. We got to hit a quick break. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. A gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. 
Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I'm John Fugel saying this is progress. I want to play a really quick little clip uh, earlier in the day. I just want to play this. This is um, on SiriusXM POTUS. Julie Mason got Senator Dick Durbin's reaction to the thanks but no thanks letter from Chief Justice John Roberts. Give a listen. The justices of the Supreme Court saying earlier this week that they don't feel like they need any ethics. What do you make of that? It was an incredible response. I wasn't surprised that the Chief Justice didn't accept my invitation to appear. I wish he had. Uh, He is certainly competent to testify before a committee. Uh, I respect his intelligence, and I think uh, he, more than most justices, really has a feel for the reputation of the court, which is probably its lowest ebb in recent history. He declined. But the worst part of it was the declination included uh, an attachment of what he considered to be the existing ethical code of conduct for the United States Supreme Court. It really, I don't want to say, I'm trying to be respectful here, it really was a disappointment. When you consider what we've learned over the last several weeks about Justice Clarence Thomas taking lavish gifts from a Texas billionaire and not disclosing them, to think that there is a code of conduct that would allow that to occur is a laughing matter. And that code of conduct can never happen. I, listen, I, I, I wanted to play that during Corey Brettschneider's segment, but he was so damn brilliant, we didn't have the time. Let's go to your calls. Jessica is calling from Maine. Good evening, Jessica. How you doing? Good. How are you? Great. What's up? Okay. Two things about, since it's Thirsty Thursday, we'll yes. also include Ron DeSantis in this. I was reading an article, I forget where, Somebody had interviewed some women he had dated before he met his wife. Yeah. And this guy is such, uh, I don't know what to call him, but um, he would say, they'd be at dinner and he'd be like, well, how about next time we go out for Thai food? And if she said, don't you mean Thai food? The date was over and he ghosted her because he could not stand to be corrected. Really? Wow, I didn't hear that one. <laughs> and, oh, by the way, yes, stipulate once again, God has a sense of humor. If you look up and find Ron DeSantis's picture from his wedding, yeah, they were married at Disney World. I know. It's so hilarious, isn't it? <laughs> and you know what? Like, I, w- I was on Dan Abrams' show a couple hours ago. It's airing tomorrow night. But I, I said... Disney will be around long after Ron DeSantis has shuffled off to his ultimate career as a lobbyist. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to end up as, but God, I I see the ads for him, for him to be president on TV, and I just want to hit the TV. It's terrible. (laughs) 
listen, don't ruin your TV. Just enjoy him declaring war on Donald Trump because Trump's declared war on DeSantis. DeSantis is holding back. He's charming donors. He was hanging out with Sheldon Adelson's widow. He's just trying to make as much money as he can because he really thinks Trump's going to flame out. And Trump well, really might. Well, the about Trump being a native New Yorker, if you were born, this, I tell people this, I was born, one of the illustrious boroughs is in New York. I said, if you want to understand something about people from New York, and especially politicians in New York, yeah. is that your birth certificate in the state of New York is issued in Albany unless you were born within New York City. Mm-hmm. And if you were born within New York City, I kid you not, it is issued by the Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. Wow. Wow. Take a look at it. <laughs> I'm hey, well, one, speaking of mental hygiene, one last point. You know, I love the story about DeSantis with thigh, with thigh food. But, I mean, did you hear that what DeSantis spread this around himself, that saying that he deliberately would call it thigh food, even though he knew it wasn't called that, just to see yeah. if he could catch. So so it's it's not even that he was just an ignorant dick. He was a calculating dick who deliberately mispronounced yeah. it. So if any woman corrected him, he would dump them. In other words, <laughs> congratulations, women. Those are some lucky gals. Yes, they were. They got away Oof. from him. Imagine not getting a second date with Ron DeSantis. It's like winning a lottery just well, big enough lottery. to make it happy. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for the call, Jessica. I really appreciate it. More reason to find him icky. Thank you. Let's go to Rachel in L.A. Hey, Rachel, welcome. You're on Sirius XM. Hello. Yes, I had heard that story, too. That's, I guess that's where the, the Harvard or Yale, wherever he went, comes in. He's a sneaky little motherfucker. Exactly. But it's, it's but again, it's exactly like him to be this Ivy League mm-hmm. pampered kid who then pretends to be dumber than he is. Worked for Bush. Right. Oh, yeah, um, listen, I love that thing you just played. Thank you for playing that clip from the dinner with the American Pie. That was so cute. I didn't know. You know about what? That. We're talking about what our next opening theme song should be, and I'm I'm pretty much <laughs> convinced I'm going to fight Chris and make sure that we open to the South Korean president singing American Pie every night on this show. It was very cute, and I just noticed that um, Kamala wore a good outfit last night too. Because I was, you know, like I don't know, years ago, I was like, why can't she? She wears that brown suit a lot. <laughs> she wore like a designer, pretty cute little poofy blue top with like little cute pants and everything to that event last night. Yep, yep. Well, the <clears throat> hey, then if she wore a nice outfit, maybe that's going to help her poll numbers. You know, I'm I'm so tired of having this conversation about how Kamala's a drag on Joe Biden. Like every show I do, they want to talk about this, and I'm just like, since when is anybody given a damn? about the vice president, unless he's Dick Cheney and trying to lead our country into war. I mean, like, how is Kamala Harris not done the job just as well as Mike Pence or Walter Mondale? Most vice presidents, your job is to fly around the world and give speeches and open shopping malls and pose for photos and be around in case someone dies. Like, I've never heard anyone say they're not doing the job well. I Yeah, I don't get I, that I, either. Like, I... I feel like um, she's a very interesting person, and there's a lot we don't know about her yet and stuff. You know what I mean? I'm interested yeah. in her, like, to know I more I, about her. Listen, I am, I am too. Her. I know a lot of people are scared because they're afraid that if she's so unpopular, folks, this is why I had to talk about this on this TV show tonight, too. Folks might not want to vote for Joe Biden in 2024 because they're afraid he's old, and if he dies, mm-hmm. they might get her. And I'm like... Who's going to say, I don't like your vice president? Let's go back to the racist reality TV game show liar insurrectionist. Like, I I just, I don't see it. I think Roe v. Wade is going to help both uh, Biden and Harris so much in the next campaign. 
this ageism thing has totally got like every comedian on late night does it too, and I, I hate it. I hate it when they do the ageism thing on him. It's total. He's totally vital. I mean, Trump is only four years younger, and he's a I know. complete crap shape. Like he could go any minute. But that's the thing, right? You want to express legitimate concerns. Okay, I'll hear you out. But then you're supporting Trump. President Sippy Cup afraid of ramps? I, you know, go ahead. Make the debate just Joe Biden and Donald Trump walking up flights of stairs, and we'll vote based on that. I think Biden would win. I would like to say I love Miss E. Jean Carroll. I felt so good for her today that she stood up and she was like, I was raped. Don't tell me because I didn't scream. I wasn't raped. Like, yeah. oh, that was good. Like, she's, that's important for all women. It was really good, but I mean, it's just like, I wish it was on TV because I want more people to see it. Right. This is why women don't come That's forward, true. because when you do, right. there will be a man. And I look, I get it. That's Tapioca's job. He's being paid to poke holes in her case. But like, it shows exactly why so many women never come forward when they've been assaulted. Listen, on a, a lighter note, yes. I wanted to report two really fun TV shows that I've been okay. happy to watch. Please. And they're both, like, Latin. One's a boy, one's a girl. Like, Legazamo, that show he has, um, like, exploring. It's like, I don't know what the name of it is, but it's on Sunday nights on MSNBC. And it's about he yes. goes to all, like, six different cities and, and learn all about the cities and the culture. Um, and it's really fun and good. Mm-hmm. And then Evelyn Gloria also yes. has this show that she she's producing with Stanley Tucci. That's probably why. And it's, it's like searching Mexico or something, finding Mexico on CNN. And that also is like, that is a little bit like the Stanley Tucci one, but in Mexico, but with Eva Longoria is so gorgeous and fabulous. Like I, and like I'm eating tamales and she's like at the tamale factory. Like it's really good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, who knew that actors' dream role would one day be playing themselves in a reality travel show? But that seems to be the genre now. It's working good for those two. I really like They're very nice. I mean, it works good for Stanley Tucci as well. Yeah. Yeah. And um, also, here in West Hollywood, last night, there was um, robberies with AK-47s outside of La Boheme. You mean there was was robberies with freedom guns? Freedom. Freedom guns. I'm not surprised. Was yeah. anybody hurt or shot? I didn't hear a thing about this. I don't think anybody was hurt. They were mainly like used as p- for, you know, to intimidate for, for robbing is what it seems like happened. Right. Oh, my but, God. But um, it's every, you know, that's it's madness. Really scary. Yes, it's madness. Rachel, I thank you uh, so much for the call. I really appreciate you, it. <laughs> thank you. Be well. Bye. We're going to take a very thank quick you. break. Bye. Mm-hmm. We'll take a very quick break. We'll be come back. More of your calls. And uh, I'm very excited to welcome Dr. Jason Nichols back to the show. We have a lot of ground to cover. We're getting all of our favorite smart friends to show up tonight. Let us know what you think of the E. Jean Carroll trial. Let us know what you think of Ron DeSantis's meltdown. Let us know what you think of the life and legacy of Jerry Springer. We'll be right back. This is Progress. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So we mentioned at the top of the show, Carolyn Bryant, Carolyn Bryant Donham. Um, she's the white woman whose accusations set off the brutalizing and lynching of Emmett Till almost 70 years ago. Uh, she's died at 88. She she got to grow old, something Emmett Till did not get to do. If you remember, just last year, the Mississippi grand jury declined to indict her in August over Till's death. There was an arrest warrant issued for her in August of 1955. But of course, it was never served. And she got to live a very full life of 88. And we all found out she made up her accusations and nothing happened anyway. Um, I am so pleased to welcome back to the show Dr. Jason Nichols, uh, who is one of our favorite guests. Anytime we can get him, we're very honored. He is an award-winning full-time senior lecturer in the African-American Studies Department at the University of Maryland College Park. You may have seen him or read him in The Guardian, Al Jazeera, FoxNews.com, The Hill, and MSNBC, and more. Dr. Jason, it's a pleasure to have you back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I just want to say that I and and I emailed you that I that I caught you on MSNBC the other night. Uh, I thought you were fantastic. You were by far the star of the panel. Oh, uh, stop. the panel was good all, all together. I enjoyed the whole thing. Yeah, you know, um, Molly Jung fast. She's not a punk. That was a it was a very good panel. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And and I enjoyed the whole thing. But I, you were clearly the standout. Oh, stop. Uh, and I, I definitely, like I said, you need to come back to TV. Doctor, to, I'm, 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 I'm very sheepish and embarrassed, but I have to say, uh, I'm doing this interview with you right now. People can't see me, but I'm, I'm wearing a suit and tie, and it's your fault, Jason, because you have been pushing me to go back on TV. I, I worked in TV for years. I lived off TV for a while, and then I, I, I took a break after my... I had a horrible abortive experience doing a syndicated show for Fox five years ago, and I just said, I'm taking a break. The pandemic made that happen. You, sir, have been pushing me to go on TV more. And now I, I've done it three times in a week. I did MS and News Nation last night, last week, and I just did News Nation again tonight. And it's 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 your fault. I'm wearing a tie on the radio, so that's on you, sir. But thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you're you're great at it, um, and I, you know, I, I think we need smart people doing television commentary. I mean, I, I see a lot of people on there, and they really crazy don't idea. Have <laughs> you know. I don't know if I'm a smart person. I, I kind of think like News Nation likes me because they want to have a liberal that the viewers can savage in the comment section. If you really want to know, there's going to be a lot of people on YouTube calling me an SJW cuck snowflake. Uh, so that that's probably why they want me. You know how it works. But I hope to be on a panel with you on TV very soon, too. Let's ha let's make it happen. We we can certainly make that happen. Um, I, I happen to know a few people in, in TV. Let's let's do it. <laughs> So, Doctor, I, I, I'm so glad you're with us. And, um, you know, it's it's a day of very, very mixed emotions. Um, you know, obviously, there's nothing that could have brought Emmett Till back. He only lived to 14 years old. There is never going to be anything resembling justice for him. And Carolyn Bryant Donham got to die peacefully at the age of 88. Uh, I was wondering what your thoughts were on this day. So, I mean, my, my thoughts are and it's interesting i even looked at the headlines for her passing 
And a lot of people, there have been a lot of recent passings. You mentioned Jerry Springer. Yeah. Uh, and there's a man, if you're a New Yorker, and I know you're a New Yorker, um, some of your New York audience may be familiar with Alton Maddox as well. Alton Maddox, yep. Uh, who passed away. And when I looked at all the, the headlines- I didn't even know that. I'm so sorry. I didn't even know that. And I, I, I heard him speak once at a rally. I had no idea. Go ahead, please. Yeah, no, he, he passed away. Uh, he's in a, He was in his late 70s. Uh, and he uh, passed away today. And, you know, know, all of it, of course, all of the headlines were like the man behind the Tawana Brawley hoax, right? Yeah. Not recognizing that he had a long career and was and involved in civil rights at all levels uh, and a brilliant litigator and and did some other good things in his career besides make the mistake with with Tawana Brawley. That's um, right. You know, the Howard Beach, you know, I think you and I are probably similar generation. We remember Howard Beach and, and him defending those young men. I was at, That's where I saw him speak. I was at a rally for the Howard Beach survivors where Cedric Sandiford spoke as well, who was savagely beaten by that young white mob back then in the day. And I was just a teenage kid in New York City and I stumbled upon a rally. And yeah, Alton Maddox spoke very movingly and and. You know, he, he has to own what happened with Tawana Brawley. So does Reverend Sharpton. But I, I, I agree with you. It's just so tragic if uh, his entire career is overshadowed by something that happened, one incident in his career from 88. Right. And, and I feel like the headlines were kinder to Carolyn Bryant than they were to Alton, Alton uh, uh, Maddox. Yeah. You know, it, it's unbelievable to me. You know, um, Alton Maddox never had anybody killed he never killed anybody uh even with tawana brawley there 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 were you know mistakes made even though i will tell you there are people in the black community older people in the black community who you will ask in new york city my grandfather to the day he died swore something happened to tawana brawley so yeah i know yeah make that what you will i'm i'm not saying one one way or the other um, I, I have my own belief, but I'll keep it to myself. I mean, something happened, but when, when Reverend Sharpton, who, who, again, I, 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 I'm, I'm friendly with, I've done a show many times. I respect the civil rights work he's done. But when he accused the white DA, Stephen Pagonis of being in yeah. on the rape, that was when yeah, that it was, was crazy. Yeah, that was, you know, insane. And, yeah. And, yeah. and by they, the way, just for not for good measure, Al Sharpton has apologized to me for mispronouncing my name three times. He's never apologized to Stephen Pagonis. Just putting that out there. Well, listen, Al Sharpton, I've met Al Sharpton on several occasions. And every time I go, it's like Mr. Burns. You ever seen like Homer and he, he's met Mr. Burns several times and Mr. And Burns never, never, remembers never remembers him. And I'll be like, you know, we met here. And he'll be like, oh, in Washington. You know, I'm yeah. like, bro, we met many times. But at any rate, um, Carolyn Bryant, um, she got to live out her life. She got to see her children or at least her one child, I believe she has. Yes. Yeah. He was married twice. Um, and it's really, it's not a victory that she's dead. Like I see people like, oh, she no. died. I'm like, she never yeah. saw justice. Nope. She never got to, to, to go and, and be put in cuffs and even spend an hour in a uh in a in a facility or in a um you know in a police station or anything when there was open indictment on her there was an arrest warrant on her and she 
got to live out her days peacefully being cared for in a, and, you know, dying in hospice. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was 1955 in Mississippi. She was 21 years old. Emma Till was 14. He was visiting. He wasn't, he wasn't from Mississippi. He was visiting. And she said he whistled at her and said, hey, baby. Never laid a finger on her. Never, never accused him of laying a finger on her. Just he whistled at her and said, hey, baby. And she told some white men who tracked this 14-year-old child down and they brutally murdered him. And as the story and the film go, they, they mutilated him so horribly that his mother, Mamie Till Mobley, who there should be statues of, gave him an open casket funeral and allowed photos of his disfigured corpse to be shared nationwide. And you could argue that this woman's evil and lies, and she did admit it was a lie later in life, that, that, that her evil really jump-started jump the civil rights movement in this country. Absolutely. And, and you know, it, it's also important to point out, and this is why I think the black press is so important and the left-wing press is so important, which I don't know that we have much left. Um, yeah. Those Agreed. pictures were in Jet Magazine, which was a black-owned publication. It wasn't like the New York Times shared that. It wasn't like other publications were there. It was Jet Magazine, which was big in the black community. Yep. So I think it's important to, to point that out. And, you know, the thing with Carolyn Bryant, number one, the guy who, who discovered that she lied, she said that in court that Emmett Till had said something outside of the, you know, basically intimidated her when she was outside of the store. That never mm -hmm. happened. The guy who got that information, who's an academic, I forgot his name, but he held on to that yeah. until he could write his book. He didn't turn that over. So, again, I, you know, I, we go after Republicans for this all the time. They, you know, the Trump people, the people in the Trump administration, John Bolton, they hold on to these things until they get to write their books. And this That's guy right. did. That. I think that that was number one. That was awful. And I just want to bring up one other thing. And I know that maybe there are people in your audience who who won't like that I'm saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway, because this, this is a safe place for unsafe statements. Go ahead. Right. Um, the Israelis, if you were a Nazi, they will go to the end of the earth to find you and hunt you down. And they will even dress you up as a woman or whatever to sneak you on a plane and get you yep. back to Israel to face Spielberg justice. made a pretty good movie about it. You're right. Yeah. Right. They, they don't care if you are on your last breath. They will do CPR on the plane in order to get you back there so you can face justice in Israel. Yep. Here we are in the United States with a murder that we know caused so much pain, not only to a mother, but to a community of Americans. Yeah. And you know what? And we have the evidence there. There's the evidence. Those guys admitted it. J.W. Milam and Roy Bryant, Carolyn Bryant's husband, they admitted it, right? And yet we were like, well, she's old. She's old, yeah. <laughs> Just let her die. And, it's, and, and the Israelis, they will hunt, like I said, they will hunt you down to the ends of the earth. They don't care oh, yeah. if you're 
Chile. They don't care if you're in Brazil. They don't Old care Al Pacino will send them out after you. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I mean, there's there's great art about it. But but you know, it's even more than that because it's. I agree with everything you're saying, Doctor. But it's it's not like we're accusing her of lying, suggesting she lied. She she lied on the stand as a witness. She falsely testified that this child had made these aggressive physical advances toward her, and later on, she said nothing that boy did could ever justify what happened to him. And it was last year in LaFleur County, Mississippi, a grand jury considered whether to bring very belated charges of kidnapping and manslaughter against this old woman, and they declined to indict her. But you know, like George W. Bush has managed to become, thanks to Donald Trump's awfulness, some kind of respected elder statesman. George W. (laughs) Bush lied 5,000 soldiers to their death he lied that a lie that led to the killing of between 300,000 and 1 million Iraqi souls. I don't know why I'm shocked that this woman didn't go to jail for lying that uh, they killed one. You know, we have yeah. we have white supremacist figures who can tell grand lies. Not that George, he's not a white supremacist. Let me take that. I, I retract that. But we have we have, you know, Bush's lies that kill thousands and hundreds of thousands. And yet it's still so shocking that this woman's lie killed one person and she walked away clean. I, I don't know if, if George Bush, when he dies, if they're going to call him out for it. it, it, yeah, it well, is, it, I, well Colin Powell got called out for it when he died. He sure did. And, sure he, did. He even said, I'm going to carry this to my grave. He said that. And, yeah. um, you know, the difference is the difference is Dr. Colin Powell felt bad about it. Colin right. Powell felt bad about it. I believe and, he did. George W. Bush. I mean, you said he's not a white supremacist. He's not. I shouldn't say that he. He's, I was okay, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll allow it for you to say that. But what I will say is there were there were a million <laughs> brown people that where he was involved in the death of. I, I completely agree. Oh, a million brown people. Look, and Condoleezza Rice, who is a brown person, that yeah. you know he he made the the the, the worst. <laughs> the worst um, national security head in history. She oversaw the 9-11 attack and then she sold the lies that led to it. She should be in jail as well. There's a lot of horrible things about George W. Bush, a lot, but being a racist wasn't in the top 50. Well, I'll I'll tell you this. He he had the first black secretary. I mean, look, I'm not going to go saying he's a champion of racial equality by any means, but I mean, he had, you know, Colin Powell. He also stole African-Americans. He stole the votes in, in, in Florida the reason he is president was oh, yeah. suppress black votes oh, in Florida. No so, doubt. No so, doubt. I mean, what, what is but they also like, But they also suppressed the votes of a lot of old white Jews in Miami, too. I mean, like George W. Bush, he, you know, I, I just what I think of like, well, you would know better than me. I, 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 can't, I have no right to defend him. But I think like when you have raging racists that you can point to like Trump or Tucker Carlson, uh, I, I think Bush being a, a murderer is enough. Just a, a, a mass murdering liar. Oh, Totally. I, but I will say this. If you are somebody like Bernie Madoff or you're a shoplifter, either way, you're a thief. And, yeah, and I will, you're right. I'll say um, that, you know, I, I don't think George W. Bush has, you know, individual racial animus. Like, I, I think he would, you know, right. if he met me, he'd shake my hand, just like he was sharing mints with Michelle Obama. And somehow that erased all of his wrongdoing. Oh. Oh, oh, what that I'm and saying. Ellen. Let's let's go off on Ellen, too, because she norm George. W- OK, now I'm I'm throwing out the whole script for the show. Jo- Jason, George <laughs> W. Bush, who ran for reelection in 2004 after there were no WMDs. You think, how can this guy get reelected? Carl Rove had the strategy. We have to protect traditional marriage.
marriage and they demonized same-sex marriage to beat John Kerry and then Ellen just sits down there with him at a ball game and normalizes him. I, I'm, I'm still angry about that. Right. I, you know, here, here's the thing. When, when you say white supremacist, um, I generally don't call individuals white supremacists. You know what I mean? Because I Even think- Even Tucker Carlson? Even Tucker? I, I, I call because when you call individuals white supremacists, then you absolve the system of white supremacy. Now, I will say white nationalists, you okay. know, sure, you know, you, you and there's levels to white nationalism. Um, and I would say if you're trying to suppress black votes and keep black people from voting, um, whether you I'd, use I'd say, yeah. intimidation or whether you are just, uh, you know, blocking them from voting or doing the things that they were doing in Florida in 2000. To me, that's white nationalism. You I agree are with you completely. To set it up so that black power is subjugated and white power is elevated. And so, um, so and, and can you be a black white nationalist? Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Because that's that's the way it works. Uh, there's a guy named George Lipsitz, um, famous critical race theorist. One of the things that he writes in one of his pieces called The Possessive Investment in Whiteness, one of the things he writes is that he says, white supremacy is an equal opportunity employer. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, you can be a Jew, you can be a Gentile, you can be a Muslim, you can be black, you can be white, you can be brown, you can be some mixture of all of those, and you can still uphold a system of white supremacy you're right. and be a totally. white nationalist. Well, I'm, I'm always fond of saying if you're a black man who is willing to smear black men and women, there's a white person who will put you on TV. And I have witnessed this oh, time yeah. and Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson. I could go off for days. I mean, yeah. diamond and silk. You know, if you're if you're a black person who's going to just come out there and disparage all black people, there's white people who will make you famous for it. And oh, sure. That's and, the system. And, and, especially if you're willing to basically tap dance and, and make a fool of yourself like those people you just mentioned. But exactly. even the, the other guys, um, you know, who are uh, a little more intelligent, you know, you can you can look at the, the, the Tim uh, Scott's and, and others mm -hmm. uh, who and, and even Supreme Court justices out there, of course, like Clarence Thomas, who are willing to basically do anything to the detriment of black people yeah. uh, for their own benefit and for their power. Um, yeah, I mean, the, you can go back to the history of Isaiah T. Montgomery, you know, who, who was the only black person at a white supremacist or a white nationalist uh, conference in 1890 That's in right. Mississippi. You know, so, I mean, there's always, which I think is a little bit different. I, I have some empathy for Isaiah T. Montgomery, but point is, you certainly, certainly, if you're willing to act against black people, you're willing to be a brown person that goes against brown people, you will be rewarded financially, fame, whatever it is that, that you want. There are rewards to that. And then you, can you get see a job at Fox Business and have an affair with Scotty Nell Hughes. Exactly right. <laughs> Not naming anybody, but you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I I know that guy you're talking about. You know that guy. I, wa I want to give I want to I want to give one more last point on this, and then I want to ask you about something else. But uh, Kasim Rashid on Twitter said, "People who think Emmett Till being lynched in 1955 is ancient history should remember 
that 18 current members of Congress are older than him and the white woman, Carolyn Bryant, who got him lynched just today died without accountability. It's not ancient history. It's contemporary reality. I mean, that's about as true a statement. I mean, you got to remember the two guys who are the leading candidates to be our next president are in Emmett Till's generation. They're they're little younger than him, but but they're still in his generation. And while some people say they're too old, I, I think they're relatively vibrant older guys. Um, even even the one that I that I like less uh, is a relatively vibrant older guy, and Emmett Till could very much be alive. My my grandmother is is ninety four, lives alone, goes to plays. Uh, she submits yeah. papers to, to her little historical society. Um, so this idea that you know Emmett Till was robbed of that opportunity. He could still be alive. He could still be thriving. Yeah. Uh, and, and doing lots of things, but that was robbed of him. And even if he had died, he was robbed of the opportunity to have a family, to have a wife, to have kids, to have people surrounding him, people caring for him in his yeah. final days. Instead, he had men torturing him in his final moments. 14 years old, 14 years old. Just incredible. Uh, Jason, I'd, I'd like to ask you a bit about contemporary politics for a moment, if I could, namely the uh, the really bad year Ron DeSantis is having. I, I, I keep getting shocked, um, not just at how badly things are going, but how he's earned it. I mean, the latest with Disney, I began the show talking about, you know, he's getting sued by Disney. He was the boy who cried woke, and now he's getting stomped on by a mouse. It seems, and you would know better than me, but it seems that Disney has a clear open and shut case of First Amendment, uh, you know, they, they, they made their point known. They didn't agree with this law. And he punished them punitively, weaponizing government against a private corporation. I, I, I honestly, I'm thrilled that Disney is suing him. I'm curious what your thoughts are about yeah. his unraveling. And I think that's, that's the key here. And even, even Nikki Haley uh, tweeted something about the fact that he's basically anti-business and that's going to turn off his donors. Um, he's basically going after free enterprise, which is something that uh, Republicans used to talk about, used to stand for. And he's going to hurt that, you know, that state because Disney, I think, gives them, I think I saw somewhere where it was like $1.1 billion in tax. One and a half, one and a half billion last year. You know, comes from, uh, comes from Disney. And you're going to bite the hand that feeds the entire state? You know, it, it just doesn't make sense just because they said something or their former CEO said something in this whole go woke, go broke thing. Um, it, it's just utterly ridiculous. And he's just not a very skilled politician. Like he's he's not even good at what it is he's trying to do. He's not approaching it in a real thoughtful way. What he is good at is, you know, gerrymandering, you know, gerrymandering the one black district in a whole state of Florida. That's out what of he did. He's, he's been able to do those things. But when it comes to being uh, a skilled campaigner, we're starting to see the same smug kind of, you know, sheepish, small guy that we saw in 2018 that was going to get, you know, under different circumstances would have gotten trounced by someone like Andrew Gillum. Uh, That's right. We're seeing that guy again. And 
while the demographics in Florida have changed, they're pretty ruby red and he's a relatively popular governor. He, it's not translating on a national stage and he is not ready for somebody like Trump, who's an entertainer. Yeah. And I think even the, the, the polls that say that he would beat Biden, I don't think I don't think that's the case. I think Biden would run all over him. Um, I don't know. I mean, I spent all last year thinking DeSantis was the one who could beat him. I think right now DeSantis is just hoping that, you know, Donald Trump gets hit by lightning uh, because the new Newsmax poll of uh, Republican primary voters, Newsmax, Donald Trump, 62 percent, Ron DeSantis, 16. I mean, he's going to be going around asking for money from Sheldon Adelson's widow with numbers like that. Yeah, no, he's not even... I've been saying for a long time, you and I both have been saying this guy doesn't have a chance. You know, he's he's just comes up small. He's not the biggest guy in the room like he's not. We've had whether you like them or not, our last couple of presidents um, have had some sort of charm. This is why Mm -hmm. Al Gore should have beaten George W. Bush, but he didn't have that. Whatever that charm is. He didn't have it. Well, in fairness, if we were in a democracy, he would have won. Al Gore did get the most votes, so he technically beat him. But, yeah, I agree completely. You know, George Bush was a guy guy who people wanted to have a beer with who never drank beer. That's that's what that was. Can I I play you a clip of why Ron DeSantis is not ready for the national stage? Sure. This is earlier today. Um, He was uh, being interviewed. He's been on his, you know, like, I'm going to be president one day tour. And someone asked him about uh, his time when he was a, a very junior, brand new uh, uh, JAG, uh, Judge Advocate General, when he was um, working with Guantanamo detainees. And there's one detainee who said that DeSantis was there and supervised his torture. And someone finally asked him about it today on camera. Here is the man who would be king, Ron DeSantis, showing just how glass his jaw is. No, no, not all that's BS. No, totally, totally BS. Yeah. Who said that? How would they know me? Okay, think about that. Do you honestly believe that's credible? So this is 20, 2006. I'm a junior officer. Do you honestly think that they would have remembered me from Adam? Of course not. They're just trying to get into the news because they know people like you will consume it because it fits your preordained narrative that you're trying to spin. Focus on the facts and stop worrying about the that's his response. There's some big dick energy, huh? Boy, what a relaxed player that is. I mean, he just lost his shit over a question that he probably should have been prepared for. Right. I mean, this is the same guy who walked in and saw kids with masks and yells at them before a press conference. He, he's, he's not built for the big time. And this is why I think, and I've said it, and some people agree, some people don't, but I don't think Ron DeSantis is going to be the nominee in 2024. And I don't think he'll even get it in 2028. I think you don't, huh? Ed Youngkin is a better candidate for for the GOP. Um, mm, I, I'd agree. I, I just think he's much better, and I don't think he's going to get there. Are people like, well, maybe Trump, DeSantis. Number one, that would never happen. Never happen. Uh, DeSantis. Number one, Trump doesn't like him. He thinks he's on. He's disloyal. And, such insecure men. It'd be hilarious, though, Jason. It'd be so funny. Yeah, that would be funny. And he, you know, he would have to bow down and kiss a ring. Now, I do think 
that DeSantis is that ambitious and that weak that he would do that. But, so too. you know, Trump wouldn't have him. Uh, and I think, as I've said, I think Trump, as a running mate, his best selection. Some people say Nikki Haley. I disagree with that. I think the best one is Tim Scott. He yeah, you've converted me to that. You've converted me to that. I, I laid that on David Rothkopf last night, and he worked in the Clinton administration. I'm convinced you're you're exactly right. If it's not going to be a woman, it 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 will be Tim Scott. How do you feel, Doctor, about Joe Biden's uh, announcement that he will officially seek re-election this week? I think it's interesting. Um, I think you know a lot of people were coming down on him. You know, I do a lot of conservative media and. A lot of people were criticizing him for doing a video message and that it was so controlled. And it was funny because I was on this one show and uh, a guy, you know, the host was like, see, Joe Biden didn't even do anything. He didn't give a speech. I'm like, he's literally speaking right now at a union hall. (laughs) Like he's literally in the middle of a speech right as we speak. Um, he just made an announcement because he through video because he realized that can be shared over and over. It exactly. can last longer than just giving a speech. We saw Donald Trump give that low energy speech at Mar-a-Lago, and who remembers that? Who shares that? Nobody That's shares it. So it, it was actually a very smart move to make a concise three minute video where it can be shared over and over and over again for a couple, and it'll have a week or two of, of run. Uh, and I think he's going around and going to the right places, going into the union hall saying, and that's what's gonna win him uh, states like Michigan and Wisconsin is doing that. Now, the question is, I'm gonna throw a question at you. Should there be a debate between he and RFK? And, oh. and Mary Williamson. Um, you know, it's a good question. I mean, I honestly, I don't think there will be. But should there be? Maybe. I, I just can guarantee you that he won't do it. Why Why would he elevate them on a platform? It's like when, when, when people tell you don't debate with trolls who have only one follower because they'll get something out of it, but you won't. Uh, I, I, I do think that Joe Biden um, will probably most likely follow the Ronald Reagan 1984 playbook. When previously, 40 years ago, we had the oldest president in history. Uh, In 1982, the majority of American voters didn't want him to run for re-election. One third of Republicans didn't want him to run for re-election in 1982. I was quoting an old Washington Post story last night. And Reagan ran against Mondale by having debates, but really by just avoiding interviews, by just, you know, giving speeches here and there, but not putting himself in any position where he could be tripped up. And Joe Biden's already announced he won't be having any major campaign rallies and stadiums like Trump does. I, I think we're going to probably see a very tightly controlled with very few interviews and a lot of pre-produced video packages, uh, Joe Biden campaign. I think it's a smart move, you know, yeah. and in, in terms of the debate, I know people say, well, Democrats are talking about democracy and um, number one, I'm I'm not so sure. Everyone's making it seem like RFK would somehow roll over him in a debate. And I don't I don't think that's no. the case. Listen, there's I'm a lot about here. RFK. There's a lot about RFK Jr. I like, and he's done this show yeah. before. He's not a great public speaker. He's yeah, he just is, not. really isn't. Um, yeah. So I I don't think that that's it would be quite that simple. One of the things that I'll say though is that. Donald Trump had three challengers in 2020, and the Republicans didn't have a single debate. So this idea that that incumbents should always have debates 
that's bad for the party because you don't want a weakened candidate You're going right. into general election. I totally so forgot about Governor Appalachian Trail ran for president. No one even noticed. Right, right. Mark Sanford. Mark uh, Sanford. Um, what's his name? Joe Walsh and Joe Walsh, Bill. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, they all ran, and you know their campaigns lasted like two weeks. But the point is, you know, the party could have said, "Okay, we're going to have debates." Um, and I think Trump would have skipped them. He's talking about skipping the debates now. He's like, yeah, which is fine if he does. I, it, it's fine if he does because because you know it, it, he'll do them. He tr- Trump will not be able to resist taking the bait. And I also, as you know, the debate commissions have certain requirements in most cases that a candidate has to be polling at a certain number to be invited to the debate. Which is why we've seen so many people not invited in the past. And I don't, with all due respect to Marianne Williamson, who I like very much, I don't see her getting high enough numbers with Democratic primary voters to qualify for a debate. I don't see either of them getting above five percent. Yeah, no, I mean, so I saw a poll. There was some poll that had JFK Jr. Uh, RFK Jr., I'm sorry. JFK I'm, Jr. I'm is a much tougher get. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, RFK uh, Jr. Um, at 19%. And I'm like, that's not real. Not amongst Democratic voters. That sounds like a uh, Newsmax a poll. The, right. A, a lot of the people who, who want RFK Jr. are not Democrats. They're... Correct. Kind of, you know, right wing populists. There's Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon. Who's bankrolling it all? Jason, we're hitting our hard break. What's the best way for our listeners to follow you, sir, and keep up with your work? Definitely check out my podcast, The Working Class Elites. Uh, And, you know, you can follow me on any social media. I'm not going to promote any of them because I don't like any of them right now. (laughs) And and, uh, definitely uh, check me out on Rising. I'll be on Rising tomorrow. Leave me some good comments. Finally. Right on. (laughs) I'll be there good comment and of course you can catch me here usually on Thursdays if they'll still have me on tell me as long as you'll put up with us doctor it's a pleasure having you here on Thursdays have a great evening this is progress